On this episode, we talk with former international runway model and former Miss Colorado, Michelle Marie King. It's a wonderful conversation of positivity and perseverance, and it really shows that no matter how life gets you down, you can always pick yourself up and take it to the next level. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi. We are live. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Is this so, is amazing. I'm so excited to be Thank here. Thank you so much for, yeah. for coming on the show. And I'm just really excited to hear your story. Thank you. So, um, to share it. And so really what I want to get into is I want to hear uh, about your story. I want to hear about where you grew up, where you came from. Yeah. And I want to hear um, kind of what you're doing now and what you, so we can, you know, this is a long format show. Yeah. So Let's we just can, talk. Yeah. We can just chat, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So uh, my dad was in the Navy. Okay. He's Navy retired for nice. 23 years. So I have nice. much respect for military and military families and awesome. retirees especially. And uh, so I was actually born in Ohio. I was what my parents call a drive-by birth, yes. <laughs> <laughs> where my mom went into labor. She went off the freeway. It was this little town called Sylvania, which I don't even know if it's bigger or not. I have no idea. It was like incorporated town. Yeah. And, um, we, my, my mom was there for 24 hours and then we went back on the road after I was born. And then I believe we moved to California right after I was born. Don't remember much. Um, I don't remember much of my childhood until I was about five when we moved to Virginia, Virginia beach. Okay. And we were in naval housing, which is just that, you know, that everyone kind of joins together and, yeah. you know, our, all of our parents were in the military at some point. And, um, so we lived there for about five years. Don't remember much. Just remember mm-hmm. that I loved the beach. And then we moved to Wisconsin when my dad retired when I was 10. Wow, and that's okay. kind of where my childhood began, really, that I remember. Um, and I was raised in Brookfield, Wisconsin, um, this little town north of Milwaukee, and um, went to high school there. I was actually, um, in high school, I was kind of, I was bullied a lot. I mm. was, I had this brown poofy hair that I didn't know what to do with. It looked like I put my finger in an electrical socket and um, I didn't know anything about style or about, and I was kind of this awkward shape. I've always had big hips. So I was short five, six and just kind of really curvy. And so I was made fun of a lot. I I was told that I was fat and um, it didn't really, I didn't really have an identity Mm. in high school. And so, um, my the, the summer between my junior and senior year, I um, I had this growth spurt and grew to five ten all of a sudden overnight. Nice. Fortunately, and um, I became thinner and just started like my I actually got connected with Redken Fifth Avenue, which is a hair hairline, and Justin Isaac found me, which is a national oh, wow. colorist, and um, he loved my hair. Mm-hmm. He actually found me in um, in the. Brookfield Square Mall in Brookfield, Wisconsin, and he, what you were just like hanging out. I was just hanging with your out. Friends. Yep, I was just and hanging then it was out. Like, yeah, hey, nice hair. Yeah, this guy Justin Isaac. He he's still a friend of mine. He literally like ran up to me from across the mall. He 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 said he spotted my hair because it was just big poofy brown mess, and uh, he it was like this California you know thirty something year old guy with like torn jeans and like this like green off the shoulder shirt you know just really like eccentric guy with a spiked hair um, comes running up to me and he's like oh my gosh I'm doing a show here um, in Brookfield in a couple of weeks and I really would love for you to be a model. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I, what? 
Because <laughs> at that point, you hadn't really thought about modeling no. or weren't even in that space. No. So the fact that someone would randomly come up to yep. you and say, hey, I want you to be a model. You're like, oh, Absolutely. What? Yep. And I was kind of, I was growing in that phase. So I was like really? five, six, five, seven. And uh, so I was just like, it was in Brookfield. So I was like, mm-hmm. why not? You know, so the next, I think it was the next weekend, um, I went to the model call. And I say that because I had no idea what a model call was. <laughs> this is all new. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I went up to, I walked into the model call. There was all these, what you would think were models. Like they looked very model-esque. And Justin came straight up to me without even like really telling me to audition and pulled me aside. And he's like, this is going to be our Marilyn Monroe. And to his, his people. And I didn't know what that meant. And then they continued on with the model casting. And I was the first one chosen. So like, I kind of all of a sudden got pulled into this wow. world yeah. because of my hair. And um, so that weekend, he, um, he, put, he turned me platinum blonde. And I, he forever changed my life. And so I did my first show, um, my first runway show. And I, the next couple of months, I had continued to grow. I loved the idea of being on stage. But I was also, I think, a little swayed by the models that I was modeling mm-hmm. with, where they were, they were tall and thin and really beautiful. And so I started working out and getting fit. I, I fell in love with cheerleading at my high school and track and field. Yeah, so how old were you at this point when you started doing that first modeling? 16. 16. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. so that must have been pretty intimidating. Extremely. Yeah. yeah, and so you pretty much, you grew up very like middle class mm. kind of Lower. Lower, Lower class. class. Yeah. <laughs> Lower the middle. <laughs> There's like the middle, and then there was me. <laughs> yeah, Lower so, the middle. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, so you grew up lower class yep. um, in Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, and at 16, you kind of get discovered. Mm-hmm. And at that point, did you fall in love with it? Like, did you... Mm. Instantly think like, whoa, I never thought about this, but I like the attention and I like, you know, this lifestyle. And what were your parents like? I mean, at 16... Mm -hmm. That must have been a hard sell, maybe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love my parents to death. And I'm sure they'll they'll hear this. I apologize, (laughs) mom and dad. Um, They're still married together. Um, They're going on 35 years of marriage. 38 years of marriage, actually. Um, And they they are, they're workers, you know, Mm -hmm. like they do their jobs, they show up, they come home, they, their parents, like they play their roles respectfully. And, um, nobody in my family was an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, the idea of doing something that didn't have solidarity, that didn't have like a purpose, that didn't have a paycheck or insurance or any stability, um, was really off putting for my parents. I mean, they thought that I was, I was pretty much was, you know, chasing after gold and that it was never going to be discovered. So they were, I think, um, supportive while I was in high school, you know, it was just Mm -hmm. a fun way for me to grow and practice, you know, something that I really liked and the guy and Justin was helping me with my hair. So I think that my mom really appreciated that. She loved him. Um, so they were accepting until I turned 18 and I, it became my, my career. Um, but really I think the, to answer your question, the first time that I fell in love with modeling was that first, that first runway show with Justin in Brookfield, Wisconsin, where we were at like a, it was a local, um, hotel and a lot of people flew in from out of town and, uh, we had this huge runway. It was probably, well, huge at the time. It was probably like 
I don't know, 10, 15 feet long. And it was this stark white and this huge black drop. And uh, I just remember I was the Maryland. So I was one of the girls that they didn't do on stage with the mm-hmm. hair, but I they did all the work behind the scenes. And I walked on stage and I was kind of the finale piece. And so wow. I remember walking on stage, never having walked a day in my life on runway. We didn't practice. We didn't rehearse. Justin just wanted it to be really authentic. And so I walked on stage. They announced me and he, he unveiled my hair, which was this beautiful, beautiful, poofy, like poofy in a good way, um, <laughs> platinum, defined curls. Like, I mean, he put so much work and effort into redefining my hair and they showed it before and after. So it was just an immaculate display. And uh, I remember as soon as I turned to face the top of the tee, I, I felt like whole. It was like this it was like this light all of a sudden like was pulled out of me and it matched the lighting on the stage. And it was, it was beautiful. Like I just felt, it was like love at first sight for me, you know, I loved it. So did you, did you change a lot at that point? I mean, you're in high school where your friends like, I hate you now because you're a model or. I didn't really have much to lose. I didn't really have friends. I didn't really, I I was bullied a lot. So Mm. um, I remember going back to school my senior year and not really caring. Like I, I, I remember wanting to just leave school and never look back. And honestly, I really have, like I've, I've never looked back at high school. I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it much. I don't remember much from high school. It wasn't, it's not a part of my journey, unfortunately. Like I feel like my journey started with Redkin on that stage and then it's only grown from there, you know? So how often did you start working? I mean, was college then where you like, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go to LA or New York and pursue, you know, a fashion career. Is that what it kind of turned into? Yeah. The day I turned 18, I um, packed my car and I, um, I had this little small car and uh, two models from Wisconsin and I, we beelined to Arizona. And I remember um, waking up and making my parents coffee and breakfast and I was an awful cook didn't even know how to make coffee um and I said I'm leaving for Arizona you guys and they were like what the hell and that's when we kind of (laughs) separated as as parents and child you know because I was really adamant about doing this and um I left I went to Arizona and um so when what ended up happening was about the second or third show my senior year working with Justin I had now gone to Chicago to do a show with him he loved that I had grown and that I was thinner I was working on my body I I he liked that I was kind of fitting the mold a little bit more aside from Mm -hmm. hair and he always loved my hair and he never asked me to change but I just felt like I needed to in order to prove to him that I really wanted to do this And um, at that show in Chicago, the Midwest show, um, there was an agent there from an international uh, runway company or runway agency. And she found me and she came up to me and I was the only girl that she did not represent because Justin was adamant about using me. Mm -hmm. And um, so she said, when you turn 18, I want you to come to Arizona. We'll sign you and we'll get you started in the modeling industry. And so that was the sign to me that I could do this and that this was going to be my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So then it must have been pretty interesting as a 18 year old then like going on your own, becoming an adult Yeah, I mean, you couldn't even make breakfast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know much. I, yeah. not at all. And you know, that was really kind of the, why I created my, my company that mm-hmm. I have now is because there was so many things that I didn't 
I didn't learn about, you know, financial education, which ultimately set me down a destructive path of Mm -hmm. a lack of understanding with finances and um, emotional intelligence. I mean, I didn't under, I had no idea why I felt certain ways and Mm -hmm. why I would be a bitch sometimes and (laughs) why I would be the sweetest person on the, on the planet the next day. Like I knew hormones, but that was all my understanding was. And, um, you know, I didn't understand, um, just time management, you know, like all of these things that are so integral to a young person's success in our society, no one ever taught me. And so, you know, the next two years of being an international runway model and really being thrown into this already detrimental industry, um, I believe that it was a a mix of both that ultimately kind of set me down that destructive path. Yeah. So then you essentially started modeling, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, at that point, were you traveling then and, and just... Trying, I don't even know how the system works. Like, <laughs> you know, runway model, yeah. that's what you were doing, right? Yeah. And so do you try out for that or do you get part of a crew that travels around mm-hmm. and, and, and does it? What is that? Yeah, it depends. I mean, you can get signed with an agency who represents mm-hmm. specifically runway modeling um, across the nation, across the country, across um, internationally, if you wanted. So I got signed with six international runway agencies, non-exclusive. So mm-hmm. I had multiple agencies that were okay. looking for opportunities. Kind of looking for work that, for you. Yeah, that yeah. would match my look, my height, my age, that type of thing. And so mm-hmm. what they would do is they would go out there and they would... or our prospective clients would come to them in need of runway models. And then they would look through kind of sift through the people that are signed with them Mm -hmm. and find the matches based on what the client was asking for. And then, contact the models, see if they were available, and then coordinate. Um, sometimes there was an audition process through that as well, but um, you know the agencies did their due diligence up front to make sure that they had you know audition tapes and photographs and, mm. and you know resumes and all the comp cards, all the things that they needed in order to market their talent. So um, that's really where it started for me. And when I moved to Arizona, I was about... 5'10", 130 pounds, which was still very thin. I I think I was like a size four. I always had very big hips, just my bones. I could never change that. And over the course of the two years, um, traveled everywhere, had an amazing modeling career, made tons of money. And, so you and didn't have to like work at Denny's at night? No. And then <laughs> I mean, I did some bartending like here and there when yeah. times was slow during the holidays or whatever. Right. But no, I mean, I, I was very fortunate that I got to really be a full-time international runway model. And that was my career for, for two years. But because I was so... Um, it was, it was such an important part of my life. I also had to change so much of mm-hmm. who I am and what I looked like yeah. as at the discretion of the agencies. Right. So like, you, Oh, we're looking for somebody who's more like this, yep. or like this. So I'm sure there's a lot of pressure Tons. on you as far as, and probably mental too, of like, Oh, I'm tr- I'm trying to compete with other people and yeah. you're always comparing yourself against other people. Yeah. So what absolutely. was that like? I mean, as far as, was there a moment to where you saw like, wow, I'm doing this and I don't like that. Um, No, actually, in retrospect, no. I mean, it was, I I was so a part of the industry and a part of the world. Like everything that surrounded my life at the time was that industry. And so, Everybody was doing what I was doing. Everyone, yeah. everyone was struggling with anorexia. There was people that would literally go weeks on end without eating. And we mm. would, we as a mod, as models living in the same townhome, we would, we would hold food from one another. Like mm. we were our protectors, you know. Mm. And I remember the first time I threw up because um, what ended up happening was I was anorexic for about. 
I was off and on for about three to four months because the agencies would keep telling me, you know, you need to lose weight, you need to lose inches. And, and when you're already not eating, when you're already working your butt off as far as like in the gym, you feel like there's no, there's nothing else you can do realistically besides Mm -hmm. just not eat and just starve your body so that you can like narrow down as much as you can for the show. And then it'll be fine. You know, you'll get the show, you'll go back to eating and that's fine. But what you don't understand is that that takes a toll on your, on your, mental state and right. your brain chemistry and your body begins to decline. And, um, so I was always known for my big personality, my big poofy hair and, um, my hair started to fall out. My teeth turned yellow. Um, I just mm-hmm. started my, my personality started to dwindle mm. and I was just tired all the time. And so I remember one of my girlfriends, um, who lived with me, who was also a model who struggled many times. Uh, she, she, I was getting into like a depressive state because I could see me starting to fade away. And I was just more a corpse walking around being a model, like a walking coat hanger is what they call us. And that's the, those are the people that make money. And I remember, um, she came up to me one night and she's like, you got to come out with us, like come out, come party. And I'm like, no, I have a big show in a couple of weeks. And she's like, Michelle, I'll, I'll teach you how to purge all of that. And so that was when anorexia turned to bulimia. And when I, we went out, we party, we drank, we had a good time. We ate pizza and cupcakes and like just threw it all away for a night. We were, you know, 19 year olds, 20 year olds, just having fun. Like we should have been doing. Um, And we, I remember we came home and I felt miserable. Like I was so sick to my stomach and she walked me into the bathroom and taught me how to throw up. And, and we were surrounded by models that had thrown up before and everyone clapped. And it was this joyous moment when I threw up. And so it was, there was nothing negative about it when I started purging and, and there was just a, it was a joyful experience, which just mm. sounds so crazy it for a lot of people. It does sound crazy. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's like you associate that with something so negative, right. Mm. And something that's just unhealthy and whatever, mm. but the culture and the, the clan you were in was celebrating it yep. and making like glorifying it, yep. you know? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So you, so you struggled with anorexia mm-hmm. and bulimia mm-hmm. and, uh, how long did that go on? Yeah. It wasn't until I was about, um, 20. So about two years in the industry, full-time international runway model, I dropped down to, I, I it's got to a point the last six months, uh, bef- when I, all of a sudden, like every month I was dropping 10, 15 pounds. Like my body was just, it was eating whatever it could is what mm-hmm. I, what I felt like was happening. I'm not sure if that actually, what was, what was happening, but I dropped down to about 70 pounds skeletal, um, wow. towards the end. And, uh, I, all of a sudden I dropped down so thin that all of my agencies dropped me. They said that now you're, you're too thin. There's nothing we can do for you. Like you're, you're sick. Um, mm. they didn't send, they didn't lend any support, you know, they, and I felt like they were the ones who got me there, you know? Right. And, um, so they kicked me out of the house, the model house that we were in because I was no longer a signed model and I was on the street. And so I was on the street. I have one box of clothes to my name and my cell phone got shut off. And this is where the money, the lack of money management mm-hmm. education came in. Uh, I remember cutting checks for like my car and my cell phone and all these things. And it, all of them bounced over time. I mean, I just couldn't mm-hmm. manage money. And so I was broke and didn't have a dime to my name. And Were you afraid to call your parents yeah. and tell them? I mean, because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of like, 
oh, I'm going to prove them. I'm going to be successful yeah. and make it. And then I can shove it in their face like, you yeah. know, hey, I did this. But now you're like destitute yeah. and you're yeah. broke and you're like maybe ashamed a little. Extremely. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, dang it. Like, yeah. Now what? I mean, so did you go back home at that point? Yeah. So okay. actually, uh, and there was this, there was kind of this, um, I would say, you know, when I was growing up as a teenager, my dad was, you know, Navy man. So my dad, I didn't really have an emotional connection with my father. So it was almost a lack of that, that where I was constantly trying to make my parents be proud mm-hmm. all throughout my high school, um, high school career. And then as a model, even through my 20s, even now in my 30s, um, there, yeah. there's still something like a piece of my relationship with my parents that I just want to hear them say they're proud of me and prove that I'm worthy of that. Mm-hmm. And I, that's probably just the relationship that I grew up with. So yeah, there was a part of that in, in Arizona. And uh, so what ended up happening was I was on the street. Um, I was in Phoenix and um, I had a box clothes, didn't have a car. My cell phone got shut off. So I went to a pay, f- a pay phone, like a phone booth, which yeah. still existed back then. <laughs> I tell this to teenagers and they're like, they're like what's, what's a that? phone booth? Yeah. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and so I went to a phone booth. I called my mom collect. I, I remembered her phone number, her cell phone number. Nice. Um, so that's a note to all the kids. At least remember, remember one number. One. Yeah. Um, I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm, I'm on the street in Arizona. I, I don't know where I am. I, I don't have my cell phone shut off. Um, she's, and my mom was like, what's around you? And I said, there's a 24 hour McDonald's right across the street. I gave her the, the street corners and that was it. And she said, go to the McDonald's and stay there. Do not leave. I will come get you. And, um, I always get worked up from that. And, um, so I went to the 24 hour McDonald's and I stayed there for about, um, I, I would say about 16 hours. And my mm-hmm. mom had called the, um, the store manager at McDonald's uh, unbeknownst to me and told him to take care of me and to not let me leave. And there were several times that I tried and he wouldn't let me, he stayed there. I wish I could find the guy and thank him. And, um, it was in that McDonald's where I attempted to commit suicide. And I remember going into the, the McDonald's bathroom and I looked at my face in the mirror and, uh, I was 70 pounds skeleton. I was dying. And, um, I couldn't, I remember just looking in the mirror and that's when body dysmorphia kicked in. And I felt like I heard all the voices of all the people who told me that I wasn't good enough. And Mm. I thought that I was this like 300 pound woman and that no matter what I was going to do, I was never going to be good enough for my parents, for the modeling industry, for myself. And um, so I attempted to drown myself in the toilet and failed, fortunately. Um, and I just got back up. I was pissed that it didn't, that I couldn't do it. And yeah. some, there was a voice in my head telling me to stop. So I did. And um, I just went back to the, to the booth because I wanted to leave and he wouldn't let me and um, just slept. And then the next afternoon at like two o'clock in the afternoon, my mom comes walking in and um, I don't know how she found me. I don't know how my parents from lo- lower middle class could afford yeah. a plane ticket overnight. Mm. Um, but they, she got my car to repossession. She got my cell phone shut off or turned back on. Um, and we drove back to Wisconsin that day. Wow. And that was the end of my international runway career. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah. So you go back home. Yeah. And you feel defeated or you feel, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I mean, did you, at that point, did you, have, did you have to go through counseling or something to kind of like reset yourself or? Um, my parents did it for me, yeah. you know, like my parents took the door off my, um, my bathroom and my bedroom and they, 
they, they, they just watched me. Wow. And that was kind of my counseling was just yeah. get your shit together. Your and, rehab center. Yeah. <laughs> and it was hard. <laughs> yeah. And um, I started gaining weight, a lot of weight and like unhealthy weight because then I was just eating whatever. I couldn't throw up. I couldn't like, I just, I just wanted to just kind of bury myself in a hole. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate that my parents were so supportive to just allow me the chance to um, have a place to stay while I healed. And, and I still struggle today with my eating disorders and, and not the eating disorders, but more so the brain chemistry that mm-hmm. it was impacted by that. Like my, my brain doesn't tell me if I'm full or if I'm hungry. I just have to, I just have to manage that, self-manage yeah. that. Um, and so after about six months, my mom was like, go do something, like get out of the house. And so I got a job as um, at a um, tanning salon <laughs> nice. and um, went to college um, at a technical college in uh, Pewaukee, Wisconsin, Waukesha County Tech. What? what? <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I got my degree and yeah. I kind of threw myself into... Um, what was your degree in? Marketing management. Oh, okay. And I, I guess what what pushed me into my degree was that I, I, I felt like the reason why I struggled was because of the media and, and the marketing industry. And I started understanding that the modeling industry was a subset of that. And that the reason why there was so much pressure to be thin was because there was this huge, um, kind of, uh, support from top down that, you know, that was what we needed in the society in order mm-hmm. to sell to consumers. And so I really put a focus on understanding marketing and media. Yeah. Wow. And then did you have an idea like, I want to start my own thing or I want to go work for somebody or, I mean, what was the thought process there? Yeah, I kind of, um, I was really confused in my 20s. I I started working for a company, so I had a full-time job. Well, at the same time, I always had this entrepreneurial spirit about me, which mm-hmm. it was, it's funny, you know, in retrospect, I look back at all the jobs I had that, you know, I was working for the man or working for someone else. And they, there, in every single job that I had, there was a position created for me and mm-hmm. which was crazy. And cause right. that's how I got my jobs was I was this entrepreneurial spirit that always wanted to bring new ideas and innovative stuff into these businesses and get paid for it. And so I kind of always had my side gig. And in my twenties, I started freelance modeling. I did not want to get signed with agencies. I, um, I did not want someone else to tell me that I couldn't have success the way that I was and which at this point was curvy and tall. And, um, so I just, I started doing freelance modeling myself and had rampant success all over North America with billboard campaigns. And I've actually found companies that, they didn't want to work with agencies. They didn't have the money to work with agencies, but they had the need to work with a model. And so because I had success, I started coaching girls in my twenties on how to have success as freelance models as well. They also mirrored the success model that I had. And so that was kind of my entrepreneurial gig on the side while I was, you know, going through rural world's business opportunities. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. So where does Miss Colorado Yeah. In, into all this. Yeah. I, so um, when I was about 27, my boyfriend and I at the time moved here to Colorado and I, we just knew that like we wanted to start from scratch. You know, we didn't want, um, he was from Chicago and we didn't want our paths or our pasts to support our futures. Mm-hmm. So we left Wisconsin literally with nothing. Um, and we moved here to this place that we didn't know anybody. We just knew that it was a great place to live and um, based on internet reviews and stuff. And because it, <laughs> it is, I mean, it is now. I mean, yeah, yeah, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, when 
I moved here, I still had this desire to be in the limelight. I mean, that was what I did all throughout my adulthood. And so I found the pageant system, Ms. MS um, America, and um, got the local title, Miss Colorado, and then went to Miss America. And I started touring all over the state of Colorado to promote my title. And um, it was it was fun. But at the same time, I hated it because I felt like it was very similar to modeling. Like I felt like every time the crown was on, I became unnoticed. It was all about the crown and the title. And mm. when the crown came off, I would walk through the same um, group of people and no one recognized me. And so it was like my biggest fear, like almost like fading into mm. um, this this thing that ultimately really wasn't who I was. And yeah. so afterwards, after my feelings of the pageant industry, um, I kind of just retired from the limelight, which was really hard for someone that was in it for so long. Yeah. And I did the whole adulting thing. We got, my boyfriend and I got engaged, got married, bought a house, had a daughter all over the course of three years. Wow. And I became a loan officer of all things, which <laughs> if people know me, like fi- especially my financial background, people You're just like, laugh. Uh, loan <laughs> like it's like a joke. And uh, so I, um, after I had my daughter, we and we were in our new house. I was in this new marriage. I had this great life that, you know, for any normal person would look around and be like, wow, I made it. Yeah. Congratulations. Way to go. Um, but I hated it. Like, I, I remember looking at my daughter and feeling like I now gave up my life for, so that she can have enjoy hers. And I was so envious of her. And, and I didn't realize that postpartum was mm-hmm. as serious as right. what it was. Um, and so kind of depression had kind of seeped back in again as um, this, this time 10 years later as a mom and a wife. And this time I didn't want to end my life. I just wanted to kind of be numb to it. And um, I just d- completely separated from my daughter. And um, it wasn't as bad as a lot of cases that I hear about. But I just remember the, the week my daughter turned one, I remember looking in the mirror and wanting to be a better person for her. I didn't want her to aspire to be the person that I was. And so I tried to think of... W- when I was the happiest in my life. And it was really when I was coaching girls in my twenties about having this successful future in the modeling career, in the modeling industry. And so I started thinking about all the things I wish I would have learned as a young woman in our society to avoid the pitfalls, not only in the modeling industry, but also in just the society in general. And it was things like emotional intelligence and financial education and self-esteem and positive body image and affirming beliefs and, um, you know, like health and fitness and hair and makeup and styling and all these things that are so important that we just don't, we don't, we don't coach, we don't teach kids and they get so lost in the thick of life um, that they have nothing to solidify their individuality. And um, so I, at that moment I created positive presence and really I think that my goal, I decided my demographic was going to be teenage girls because I wanted to change the future for my daughter and Mm -hmm. what better way to do it than to change, help, change positively change the teenagers that were going to be the people she looked up to um and that's where it all started wow and so now that's that's what you do yeah positive presence is the largest confidence coaching company in the country um and we coach we coach everybody really anyone who's lost we can coach but we have specifically a great success rate on with teenage teenage girls um especially because they're you know they're at the epitome of lost and darkness in our society i mean there's Mm -hmm. so much that is just like overwhelming our teenagers nowadays with just social media i mean i I have three children and it's like you hear all these terrible stories about they were bullied through facebook or online or you know and whatnot yeah and you think about, you know, when we were younger, 
it was bad enough, but right. we didn't have suicide mm-hmm. and all these things because, mm-hmm. you know, all those kind of things bearing down on us. So absolutely. And I mean, not even social media, but just like peer pressure in general and drugs and vi- gun violence. I yeah. mean, like there's just there's so much that's going on in our society across the world that we did not have. I mean, when I was in, I mean, I graduated in 03 from high school and I, you know, if someone wanted to bully me, they had to do it to my face and that was it. And most people didn't have the guts to do that. And nowadays nobody bullies people to their face. Really. It's just troll. Yeah. Yeah. And you say the worst things because that's your shield to, to say these things to other people. And, And it's really hurtful. And a lot of these girls, um, I mean, it's, it's their world. It's their everything. And when they get bullied, um, or even when they get made fun of, or when they're, when they get disconnected in any way from the things that are important to them at the time, like their friends or their sports or their parents, they fall into darkness so easily. And I feel like it's our responsibility as adults that have lived through that to protect them from that and to help them be able to build a shield, this impenetrable light shields, um, to help them when those things happen. Yeah. So now you, you do travel a lot and speak then and, and and do that like seminars and assemblies and yeah, I mean, that's the goal is to get to that point. Um, I've, I've gone to a lot of different, um, conferences and stuff across the country, but really when I started positive presence, I really wanted to make sure that I put my time and effort into, um, building that company starting it from scratch and, and growing it nationwide. Um, and really the next step for positive presence to become a franchise company, which is an expensive undertaking, but I feel like our society needs it. Um, so that's really where my focus is right now. But, um, I just signed a big contract in California where I'll start doing my own podcast and writing a book and I'm going on national press tours and those types of things over the next, you know, probably six to eight months. Um, so yeah, my time is going to start to be divided, but, um, my focus, is still the same is to really make positive presence um, this incredible vehicle where we can help people get out of darkness and find their own light. Right. Yeah. Because there's, there's, I think the thing that I always see is that, you know, people feel so hopeless, you know, yeah. they feel so alone. And sometimes all they need is just someone to come alongside them and say, you know what, like, yeah. it's going to get better. Yeah. You know, especially young kids, I feel like they think that their whole life is right then and, and there. And when you become an adult, you realize like, you know what, like, that's like, like, there's you have so much life ahead of you. Like, yeah. don't you shouldn't give up so early, yeah. you know, like, this is going to be just a blip and yeah. just stay positive, keep moving forward, you know, yeah. and, and don't give up. You know? Yeah. Well, and I, I, I just worked with one of my clients, um, a couple of days ago and we coach one-on-one. So it's a very, um, exclusive, like customized experience for the people that we teach and coach. And I remember speaking with one of my girls who's going to be a senior in high school this year and she wants to go to, um, UNH or UN, UNC yeah. and she wants to get a full paid art scholarship. And she truly believes that she doesn't deserve it. And mm. she's incredible incredible artist. She's an incredible girl. She's, um, you know, she's going through the classes. So she's, she's growing and and developing into her, her own perfect self. Um, but she truly believed that there were other people that were more deserving. And I had to, I had to hug her and tell her and cry with her and say that you are just as deserving as they are. And Mm -hmm. you are going to have an incredible future. And I had to paint this picture of her two years from now when I come and visit her and she's going to introduce me to her new boyfriend and I'm going to come with her mom and she's going to show me her showcased art. And, and, you know, just the idea of having someone believe that this immaculate future is possible for you and, and truly 
meaning it when you help them draw that picture. Um, I mean, that she it got to a point where I said, are you or are you not deserving of this? And she said, I am. And so it was so moving and so touching to realize that like she's awoke now to the fact yeah. that she's deserving of it. And unfortunately, so many of our teenagers nowadays don't believe that, you know, they're, they're comparing themselves to Jennifer Lopez and the Kardashians and, and billionaires that they're seeing in media. And they right. feel like they are so far from that, that how are they ever going to find success? How are they ever going to find their place in the world? And, it's really just partnering them up with the coach that right. is going to help them see it in themselves and yeah. they'll get it too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and reveal some of the, yeah. the truth behind some of that. You know, I have a friend Absolutely. who's uh, you know, really into fitness and she did a post on Instagram where it's like, she just like leaned a certain way uh-huh. and she looks completely different <laughs> than, you know, when it's like, so yeah. in people's minds, they see this picture yeah. stagnant of someone who looks perfect yeah. and it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not like that. It's like, well, yeah, but that person's like leaning a certain way <laughs> that makes them look like 20 pounds thinner yeah. and like, you know, whatever. Yeah. So Shadowing just, and lighting. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. It's like there's so much of this falseness, you know, fake stuff that's out yeah. there, but so many people get sucked into that and yeah. think they compare themselves with something that's not even real. You know, like so Absolutely. many images are photoshopped and it's yeah. like, yeah, you could never attain that because it's computer generated. You I know. know? Yeah. Well, and, and that brings up another big point that we coach to our students too, is this authenticity, like yeah. just showing up authentic, you know, just understanding and defining who you are and what your style is like creating a voice for you. And that's why we have a stylist and Liebman. And that's why we have a hair and makeup artist, Lauren Boyd. And that's why we have a health and fitness partner, Michael Sutton. Um, shout out to all of them. Name right? drop, See how name, name drop, drop, name drop. <laughs> um, we have all of them is because they at the very end of our classes, they go and they actually help them identify, um, our, our clients identify their unique voice in their style and in their presence and Mm -hmm. in, you know, how they show up in the world. And that lends to their authenticity, you know? And so I think it's just so important to help them understand that, you know, you can show up who you are and people are going to accept you or they're not. And that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things is really, um, finding value in yourself yeah. and not finding value in yourself based on what other people think of you. Yes, you know, when absolutely. I was younger, it was, I was, yeah, it was like, I'm always seeking approval from higher authorities or people around me because they made me feel like I had that self-worth. Exactly. And then I realized like, well, that's always going to change. Yeah. Like I could be depressed one day because I didn't get approval for some, somebody. So yep. why should I allow someone else to have control of my emotions and my feelings? Yep. And I need to realize that I am, I'm good enough within myself yeah. and the only uh, acceptance I need is from myself, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that's so, so hard. Yeah. It's so it is. hard to get it's, to that it's point. So hard, but, yeah. And I have to, I mean, I have to tell myself sometimes like, you know, sometimes I get bad reviews or sometimes I get haters and I, I specifically am bringing this up for a reason. And, you know, I have to tell myself that haters are going to hate and that's okay. And yeah. it, they don't define me. They don't define right. my business. They don't define who I am as a person. They don't define my hair or my body image or how I show up to the world. It's if someone is making fun of me or if someone is being mean, that's on them. That's, that has nothing to do with me. That's a reflection of their own negative self-worth. And I have to really remind myself every once in a while that, I mean, that's me showing up authentically and there's going to be haters. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's so true. Mm-hmm. So you want to grow a business yeah. and you want to um, inspire the most people that you can. Yep. And so what are some of the things that 
you know, that you struggle with as an entrepreneur or, you know, somebody who is trying to, to make this happen, you know, I mean, yeah. is it something where the universe is just shining down on you and it's like <laughs> opportunity and doors are opening and it's like, God, I wish that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason and, um, I, I mean, I struggle, I'm sure the same way every other entrepreneur is struggling where it's, it's time management and it's Mm -hmm. being in 50 different places at once and trying to be everything to everybody and, um, you know, be a mom and be a wife and be a homeowner and be an entrepreneur and be a friend and be in the groups that I'm a part of and show up authentically to all of them without being tired and, you know, having 15 hour days, like being fantastic when you do it. Um, but you know, at the same time, I think it's just taking one bite at a time, doing one thing at a time, and um, really making sure that everything that I do is with intent. And that's really been a game changer to me is um, really just, I have to ask myself, why am I taking the time to go to that meeting and network with this person who I don't know? Like, what's the intent in that? And if I have one, then yes, it's worth it. And I'm, I'm taking time out of my day to go do it. And, um, you know, I have to the other thing too that I struggle with is that there's some days when I just sit at home in the afternoons or in the evenings with my daughter and we just watch Netflix uh, or yeah. we watch a Disney movie, like four movies, Disney movies at night. And I have to, there's times when I used to beat myself down for that and be like, God, I really have other things that I need to be doing. I have a million emails to get back to. I have yeah. 20 proposals to send, but at the end of the day, I really have to be um, really just accepting of myself that like I have, this is an, another part of me too that I really yeah. have to feed. And um, so I think that, you know, there's that the normal struggle that every entrepreneur goes through and yeah. it's really just finding that balance and being respectful and kind to yourself. Um, when you decide to not do anything for a day and you just want to be tired and that's it. Um, yeah. and you know, showing up with intent in everything that you do. And, um, I think that that ultimately lends to, um, really just making sure that I'm doing things with, respect and that I'm, yeah. I'm showing up authentically and creatively every time I do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, you and your parents are all good, right? Good. You have good, yeah. and you have siblings. I have an older brother okay. who is, um, five years older than me. He's in Florida. We okay. are polar opposite. And when I mean polar opposite, like he's short, polar. dark hair, <laughs> he's actually pretty tall, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he is in tech Um, he is kind of a nerdy guy, very nerdy, respectfully. (laughs) I love him to death. Um, he's not a fan of, um, mingling with a lot of different people. He's got two daughters and, um, a girlfriend and that's his life and that's it. And he's not an outgoing person, uh, barely talks to me (laughs) and which is okay. And, um, so we don't really get each other at all. I mean, I want to just be out in front of everybody and be on Jimmy Fallon and Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) And my brother's like, you are the weirdest person I know. Um, and he has his life. So I don't know how we ended up so opposite, but we did. You did. Yep. And my parents and I were really good. Um, my dad is still, you know, keeps to himself and is Mm -hmm. retired now, um, from his second job and, um, has, he's doing good. Um, and my mom works full time as a CPA and, um, she's doing great. And she actually is very involved in my business. She helps me a lot with brainstorming and with business development and those Mm -hmm. types of things when she can, they live in Wisconsin. Right. Um, so yeah, we have a great relationship and, um, after, you know, a lot of poor relationships in business and in with men and, 
um, all of that stuff. I'm so fortunate to have my husband who's, um, I've been with him for eight years and my daughter. And mm. at the end of the day, those are the two most important relationships to right. me. The rock. The ro- they are my rocks for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, what do you do for fun? I mean, what do you, what do you, do you have any hobbies? I mean, I know being an entrepreneur and yeah. focusing on business, it's like, that's what you're always consumed with when you have free time, you know? Yeah. What do you do for fun? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I recently... I'm redirecting. Yeah, I like that. You're like, let me think of my answer <laughs> while I ask you. Um, so I like watching movies. Yeah. So I like to go to movies. A lot okay. of times I go to a movie by myself and just That's watch a brave. movie. I have a buddy uh, who has a movie pass. Have you ever heard of movie pass? No. Okay, so it's pretty awesome. Okay. It's, you pay like 10 bucks a month. And they're not sponsoring this episode at all, but uh, maybe we should contact to, them. I know. I'm like Movie Pass. <laughs> um, so, anyways, hint, they hint. Uh, Movie Pass. Essentially, you pay ten bucks a month, and you can go see as many movies as you want to in a month in the theater. What? Yeah, it's like the best deal ever. We need to get Movie Pass to you sponsor need, this. Yes, I know. Yeah. So oh. um, I go to movies, and I have a buddy who does that. And then I recently purchased a trail bike, like a vintage like scooter trail bike. Oh. So you essentially can go out to like a trail in the mountains and then ride up, you know, in the mountains. It's like a 1970s, like vintage, cool looking That sounds very dangerous. Scooter. You know, it only goes like 35, 40 oh, miles okay, an hour. Okay. So okay. It's, that's, that's how I sold my wife on it. Like, <laughs> it's not that dangerous. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And then I got three kids, you yeah. know, so they keep me busy. Yeah. We, we do a lot. We're, we're like buying bunk beds this weekend and oh, we'll mm-hmm. be doing a lot of stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so that's what I do for fun, you know? Yeah. I, I like to like to smoke meats and like drink whiskey and hang out with friends. Yeah. That know? sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, your fun, your hobbies are way better than my <laughs> hobbies. Let's <laughs> trade for a day. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I don't think I have a lot of hobbies, unfortunately. I, I think I'm in that time of my um, entrepreneurship yeah. days where I um, I work a lot and I coach a lot. And um, when I see friends, it's um, because there's an event happening that my friends right, are putting right. on. Um, and most of my friends are in Denver here, so commuting. Um, and my husband works a lot, unfortunately, at his job and... Um, so it's a lot of nights and spending time with my daughter and playing and going for walks. Um, you know, just trying again, trying to find that balance and I don't really cook. I've always wanted to try cooking. Cooking is awesome. Yeah. I told you I'm a bad cook though. Yeah, I think I that hasn't changed much. Um, so I wanted, maybe I want to try cooking, I think in the future and it's a good skill. Yeah. Just try and try and get into like, well, I think when my daughter gets to school, because she's three and a half right now, I yeah. think I'm definitely going to be like the best PTO mom on the planet. And like not a PTO bom- mom, but like a board mom, like yeah. board of director mom. Yeah. That's going to be a big hobby for me. Do you I'm, want more kids? Yeah. We're actually trying for a second okay. right now. It's um, a good time, about three and a half yeah. you know, years. It'll be like four years apart. So that's a great hobby is yeah. the trying process. <laughs> <laughs> trying to have kids. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> uh, that's oh, awesome. Good drink some water. <laughs> Uh, do you read or anything like that? Do you have any? Like, no, I really want to read though. That you like to? No, I know. Consume? I would. I my um, my life coach really wants me to read a lot. She's yeah. given me a ton of, and I have a lot of great books. But I'm always focused on like I'm sure a lot of people share this where 
I need to read with intent and like I need to be a student of what I'm reading. And yeah. I feel like in order to do that, I have to have the time set aside yeah. to read and be a student. And I just haven't found that. And so yeah. I think it's it's an egoico thing that I got to figure out. But I'd listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah, a lot of people have told me that. Yeah, and that's been really great. Does it stick then though? Yeah, like, I feel like it does. Like okay. one is one thing I like on on the Audible app, for instance, mm-hmm. as you're listening to something and if it stands out to you, you can like bookmark it. Oh. And then you can okay. come back to that part in the audiobook and listen to it again. That's awesome. So I think it's helpful. Yeah. And then most, I listen to a lot of uh, like entrepreneurial business books, a lot of self-help, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that yeah. medium. Um, and so Audible has, all, once again, they're not sponsoring this episode. <laughs> they <but> should. <laughs> um, <laughs> what other companies can we bring I up? Know, it's like, uh, <laughs> Apple. <laughs> Yeti. Yeti, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could just start mm-hmm. name dropping. Yeah, we should. Let's tag know? them all like, in here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I listen to a lot of audio audiobooks. Okay. Uh, because I, when I drive places, yeah. when I'm running errands, and even at night, sometimes I don't like to physically read a book. It like, mm-hmm. hurts my eyes, yeah. my brain. But listening to book, I'll listen to a book, and you can put like a sleep timer on, and oh. then it will go off in like 15 minutes. That's pretty right. awesome. So there's like a lot of. I ways need a you tutorial on Audible. Like, yeah, you need okay. to. Because okay. and, and the nice thing is they has like they have every audiobook like any, any book that like your life coach would recommend yeah. would most likely be on there. Okay. So I'm gonna try that. And it's pretty cheap, like 15 bucks a month. Cool. You get like a credit, and a credit will buy any book no matter the price. So if the book is like 12 bucks or if the book is like 30 bucks, you can buy it with one credit. Okay. Just saying. This is great. Thank you. you. you should. I'm going to. I'm going to try it, it out. It, there's I'm a try lot, it out. like you know, a lot of motivation that happens. For me, I listen mm-hmm. to something and it like inspires me. Like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. like there's a book. Have you ever read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Yes. Yeah. I have so read that's that a one. really mm-hmm. great book. Mm-hmm. And I would I, start with Why. Yeah, start mm-hmm. with Why. By Simon Sinek. See, mm-hmm. look at Love you. him. That yeah. was a long time That's ago. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good book, though. But there's a lot of books out there. And then yeah. they inspire you or give you ideas yeah. because you're listening to them and you're like, oh, you know what? I yeah. think I could do that. So I know the power I'm, of it. I've just yeah. got to get I've, I've got to get past that ego part of needing yeah. to be a student and, and actually just listening yeah. to it, you know? That's right. Because if you never start, you know, yeah. you can always talk about it. But That's true. No. That's true. All right. I'm going to start, I'm gonna start okay. listening to Audible because of you. Well, you know. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. I'll be here all week. <laughs> um, what about uh, food? Favorite food? You don't cook, but you like to eat. I'm I assuming. do. I do enjoy okay. food. Yes, absolutely. My husband's the cook in our family. I mean, right. I cook some things. Yeah, like mac like, and cheese and <laughs> salad. <yeah. laughs> I chop. I could chop lettuce. I could do like cookies a from a box. Oh, that's yeah. Good, I can do know. that pretty well, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, I I love salads. I'm actually okay. I wanted to start this company a long time because I always had entrepreneurial ideas. Yeah. Ideas. I always wanted to start this company or this restaurant called No Let Us because I don't like putting mm. lettuce in my salads. I just put garbage, like just yeah. everything else yeah, and saltines and on top. And, and then, yep, and then that's that's my salads. And so I wanted to make a, a restaurant chain that had no lettuce, but it was just a bunch of other oh. stuff that they put into it. So, so someone can steal that if they wanted. <laughs> like, that's a it. free one. I got way better <laughs> ideas than that. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you make garbage salads? Yeah, then? I do. I love like, that. Yeah. I chop up a burger, <laughs> a little mayo. Sometimes we put some, we put some, yeah, we put some meat in there. But like, I just put everything in it, okay. you know, like. Yeah, like an anti-pasta kind of. No, like just no. lettuce stuff, oh. you know, like cucumbers and okay. tomatoes. But no lettuce. Just no lettuce, yeah, oh, but okay. I just fill it up but with you all like the other lettuce, stuff. like romaine or. I really don't like, actually. I don't, I don't feel like it? there's a purpose for it. I just don't get it. <laughs> I mean, there's really no. <laughs> No it's just a filler. Yeah, I don't like it. it. I just true. don't like it. 
Um, okay, so salads, that's your salads. deal. Salads. I know, this part of the interview is really boring, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, oh yeah, you know, I used to like really <laughs> eat double stuffed Oreos like all the time. I do like those, though. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, that's good. Oreos, that's another one we should reach out to. Yeah, Oreo. Yeah. <laughs> Nabisco, or who, who does Oreos? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. We'll just Anyways, reach out to Oreo. Hey. We're going to take all these companies yeah. later, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, uh, you don't read. <laughs> you eat garbage salads. <laughs> what about movies? Do you have a favorite movie? Um, favorite yeah. movie? Yeah. Um, the Little Mermaid doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> None that I can, I can think of out off the top of my head. You know what my favorite show is right now on Netflix? Okay, what? Is Nashville. Okay. Love Nashville. Nashville's Obsessed. a good show. Yes, and they have yeah. like eight seasons. Yeah. So no matter how, I mean, it'll get me over the next year, which yeah. is fantastic. It's really good. So I really appreciate that. It's a good show. It's mm-hmm. like kind of yeah. touches all the dramas of yeah. the music industry and yeah. the heart of relationships. Love it. Yeah. I, it's like a soap opera for nowadays, yeah, I, which I I hated soap opera back in the right. day, but I love Nashville. And it's got a little and bit Empire. better acting. Empire. Empire is the same. Is like same pretty much the thing, same thing, only in like the right? rap culture yeah. industry. Yep, which I love. Nice. Um, I love the Chicago series, like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, okay. Chicago um, ER. I think is what it is. Chicago anything. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago anything. dog. Chicago pizza. <laughs> Sauce on top. Yes. Shout out. Shout out to the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So Chicago okay. series. I love nice. those. Mm-hmm. All right. Music. I like everything. Okay. All music. I love okay. I love inspirational music. Like I love music that has a really like awesome message. Josh Groban or something like that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Okay. Um I don't really I can't you know, like I'm, Imagine Dragon or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I love a Imagine. positive message. Yeah. Yep. You know. Colby Calais. Colby Calais. And she has Classic. a great message. Yeah. Absolutely. Jason Mraz. Yes. Love great Jason. Message. Love him. <laughs> His new song's pretty awesome. Have you mm-hmm. heard that song? Yep. Yeah. Love it. It's mm-hmm. pretty positive. It's extremely positive. Yeah. I like anything positive. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. And it really anything positive nice. i just like positive people you, you which you what? are that's why i think we're having a good time yeah, i think so too <laughs> i always you know this is what i tell i say positive things happen to positive people mm-hmm. it's like so true i and i always tell people i said you should always try to work a crappy job in your life because it will really give you appreciation for mm-hmm. whatever you're doing yeah you know when contrast I was, yep. yeah exactly when mm-hmm. i was younger i always had worked you know, retail or yep. food, like pizza or something like that. And then when I got my first like big boy corporate job, yep. I was like so happy. I was like, whoa, we only have to work Monday through Friday, eight to five. <laughs> like, and they let us go early if it snows. Like, this is amazing. And then you get in the elevator and people are like, uh, it's too hot or it's too cold or it's Monday. And I'm like, are you joking? Like, this is a, this place is awesome. You know, I was always getting busted for being too happy. Like people would ask me like, why are you happy? <clears throat> I'm like, why shouldn't I be? Why shouldn't it yeah. be? Like, why mm-hmm. Why should that be a question? That, yeah. Like, why is it strange that I'm happy? I know. It you is know? weird to people nowadays that yeah. people, so many people are happy. And I, I, people think that there's this doom and gloom in our society nowadays. Yeah. But I'm like, you see what you want to see. You know, exactly. that's all like, that's that's the life you're creating. That's not the life I'm creating. Right. And so everywhere I go, I see positivity and I see people and yeah. I just see beautiful things. And yeah. I, my quote is positivity can only spread when it is present. You know, so like yeah. if you're positive, then you're going to spread positivity to other people who yeah. need it, you know? Yeah, it's so true. When I always think too, like I have some friends who are pretty pessimistic and negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think 
like what what value does that add like i understand okay you're a realist you know and whatever but what value does that add and how does that enhance your life because Mm -hmm. all i can tell is it it doesn't right but you could pretend to be happy and you (laughs) might actually start to get a little happy (laughs) you know it's like so i think there's only good that can come from that well and what drives me crazy is the people that think that they need something in order to be happy like i need to be drinking alcohol in order to be happier i need to be eating pizza in order to be happy or sitting down watching Netflix in order to be happy. And I'm like, no, like the happiness starts with you yeah. and it spreads to the things that you're doing. It's not the thing that you're doing that gives it to you, yeah. you know? So yeah. yeah, it's important to practice gratitude. Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. Sometimes I think, you know, even the smallest things, if you just start to appreciate those, yeah. it'll, it'll grow. Right. If yeah. you think, man, I'm just thankful that my shower is hot this morning, you know, <laughs> like I'm sure those people have to take cold showers or, mm-hmm. you know, I have a car that I could drive from A to B. Yeah. Like some people have to take the bus or walk places. So I think even like the small things, mm-hmm. if you just really think about those and focus on them, yep. you can start to think like, wow, my life's actually not so bad. Yeah. Ooh, you know? I have a, I have a favorite book now. Oh, okay. That came up the secret. Okay. The Secret. I love The Secret. Duh. Yeah. I mean, it's the a best book. book on the planet. Yeah. And I think uh, Netflix has like a, yeah, like a they documentary do. show mm-hmm. about The Secret book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like The Secret. There, I, I think there's too. a lot of good principles in there. Tense. It's all about that positivity and yeah. universal manifestation and affirmations. Yeah. And you get what you give. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. What you put out there is what you get back. Yeah. That's all. Everything that we teach, everything that I live by. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. But you know, sometimes it works like in reverse too. Like if you're worrying about certain things, then I mean, worry is going to present itself. So, right. you know, I have to tell my friends, all, my my kids that I coach all the time that it's a disclaimer. Like if you if you understand the magic of the secret, then you also have to understand that there's a, the same type of magic right. that exists in the opposite direction that you attract as well. So, right. you know, and, and there's a reason why you're attracting the things that you're attracting. And right. there's, there's, lessons and everything that you're yeah. that's well itself. i think we all know those people right who yeah. who are negative and, and constant and it's like all the bad stuff seems to happen to them yeah. right like they're always like oh my tire was flat this morning or like you know oh this huge bill came in the mail yep. and i'm like man i'm sorry like yep. it just never happens to me but i'm not always thinking about <laughs> the, you know worrying about the all stuff. the bad stuff that's gonna happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah i think there's definitely something in that you know um a great quote by Jesus, you know, in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, you Tell know, me. This, well, it's just the idea of, you know, what can a man gain by worrying? You mm-hmm. know, like how much, you know, he can't add any more time to his life yeah. by, by worrying. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of a, one of those powerful messages. And what, the three keys that I found to life. Please. I always share these. Please share. Okay. One is to be present. Mm. You know, it's so hard to be in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. With your, with your kids or, you know, with your significant other or even at your job or with your friends, like be in the moment. You know, I think nowadays people are always on their phone or distracted constantly in their thoughts and whatnot. So I always say be present. Yeah. And then two is don't worry about tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, what, once again, what are you going to gain by worrying? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times our emotions and feelings react to what we think about. And if yeah. we're thinking about negative things and worrying, then we're going to be fearful and we're going to be scared. Yeah. And then how many times have you been worried and then, oh, it, nothing happens. Or you're like, oh man, I spent all that time worrying and it was just that yep. X and Y happened or that person, they didn't neglect my email. They just like got, it got stuck in junk. And you know, it's like so many times <laughs> like we, people make yep. up these crazy stories and their, their feelings and their emotions respond to that. Yep. And so it's like, well, don't worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then three is just to expect the blessing, right? Yeah. Expect good things to happen. Like 
you know, expect that, that, that God, that the universe, that somebody out there cares about you mm-hmm. and has a plan for your life yeah. and that, you know, things are going to work out for you. That's so and awesome. I think, you know, if you, if you that's awesome. be present, don't worry, expect good things. Yeah. Life will work May out. May I add one to that? Please do. I, the fourth law, the fourth of, law success. of success is yeah. heart versus head. Mm. Like operating from your heart in everything that you do instead of your head, which, uh, you know, also contributes to that worrisome, like worries, you know, head, mental, but like 100% of what comes from your heart is positive and it's authentic and mm-hmm. it's real and it's just, it's just there, you know? Yeah. So I think that when we can start asking ourselves how we feel and responding to those feelings. And oftentimes gratitude leads to that. Mm -hmm. Then you live with such completion, you know, like everything that's happening in your world is just so complete and so honest that that's just how you begin to operate. And that's what comes back to you too. You know? Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, where can people follow you? Oh yeah. Where can, you know, they hear about what you're doing? Yeah. All that. So we got a new website, positive-presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C, presence, I know, presence, not presence, like, like, you know, amount of presence, like we're actually presence, like your personal presence. Um, So positive-presence is our website. And then you can also see more information about me, Michelle Marie King at Mm -hmm. .com. Marie is M-A-R-I-E. Um, and then we're on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we're not on Twitter. Not a fan. Sorry, Twitter. It's like one of those like dying mediums. I yeah. feel like that there's a lot of people. We on won't have still. them sponsor this. Yeah. Podcast. Sorry, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but we're on Instagram and we're on. We are on YouTube. Okay. Maybe we'll put this on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that we are, they can follow us on all of that. Positive presence of Michelle Marie King. Boom. Boom. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been great to hear your story. And um, I'm I'm really excited to follow you and and see just the impact that you're going to make in a bunch of people's lives and, you know, make a difference in the world. So thank you. So appreciate that. You are awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, world. Yeah. See you.